Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor Scott, and with me are Pastors Jim and Matt. Hello. Hey, Jim, do your voice. Certainly. <laughs> We've just been practicing a voices on here. New Yorker. Is that what he said? I'm not, yeah, something like that. Something I don't know like if, um, I don't know, yeah, we could have pretended you were a new pastor or you yeah. could. <laughs> no one in Los Angeles has an accent. You know, that's the thing about Los Angeles. No one has an accent. Non, right? non regional diction. That's yeah, what we that's aim exactly for. Right. Yes. Yeah. Everyone else has accents, not us. And we're the first person, people in the world ever to have Pretty that much. thought. Is that, yes. is that because it's our accent that ends up on television? Is that what? Like, or is like, how did that become the thing that I, like, like uh, the way we speak is like normal and not accented? Like, oh, where'd that, where'd that concept come from? I think it's just privilege and good old fashioned. Uh, well, oh, I just bl- I blanked on the word. It's the movie industry. Guys. It's the movie industry yeah. too. Yeah. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. To, yeah. But like all the California people are the ones that ended up on TV. But we have in the movies. Yes. And okay. so, but we have an accent. Well, yeah, but. Uh, our accent is no accent because we have to do everybody else's accent if we're going to act in movies. See, yeah, uh, <laughs> see that makes sense. <laughs> sort of. I think there's every. I think everyone in the world has an accent. We have an accent. We it would do. just be a California accent. Yeah, yeah. I would be. I I try to. I try to get out of my vocabulary, but like, like, um, um, like, like, like. All those things. There's a million, yeah, there's a million things. Someone, there, we could have someone else on here who knows a lot more about this stuff. We probably could. Some or we could just pull our ignorance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much better, right? <laughs> Ask the question again. Let me, let me, let me Google. <laughs> Certainly. All right. Uh, today. But you're terrible at accents, Jim. Just a heads up. <laughs> I've got a great. All right. So we, we, we have a. We, According to we Google, full... there is a Californian accent. This is a heads up. <laughs> Scott, what were you going to say? We have a, a proper <laughs> California accent is as smooth as butter, naturally sonorous. Smooth as butter. And sonorous. As rich, sonorous. <laughs> sonor, sonorous. Sonorous is when you're sleeping. Sonorous. Sonorous. Yes. Sonorous. 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 And as, actually, in other parts of the world, they say what I said. So, um, okay. not the right way. They didn't pronounce it the right way. And as rich and deep as a buttercream mocha cake from Just Desserts, wrote Ethan Crank. <laughs> <laughs> dignified and divine i.e. the only accent accepted into heaven i mean is, that's, it, is this are, what are these like the yelp the, reviews of the california <laughs> you made an accent that name, you? no you that, i'm reading it straight off oh, the um God. straight off the kpcc website oh, so all right do you sound like a surfer dude is what the what the title says it literally says hey, this hey. Dude. <laughs> All right. All right. What were we talking about today? So is, today uh... we have a we have a fully developed and planned episode <laughs> that is going to Like we do every week. Yes, right. We, we, we I've been in a few different conversations with other leaders, with other pastors, particularly with some of our volunteer uh, leaders, some of our community group leaders and um, as we've talked about and even shared reflections on pastoring Cornerstone over the last year and a half and pastoring over the, um, through this pandemic, I, I've heard the encouragement more than once that they'd be encouraged to hear us do a podcast, just reflecting on the last year and a half and what it's been like to pastor a church, what it's been like to pastor Cornerstone West LA through the midst of this pandemic. And so I thought we'd try that. And so that's all I got. I've got, I've got, okay. a, I've got a concept reflecting on pastoring a church in the pandemic. I've got the two of you. Yeah. And, and we're going to see where this takes us. Hopefully uh, it'll be releasable. Okay. 
that's so the goal. far. It's the goal, <laughs> the goal is that it'll be releasable. Um, but I, I would, why don't we start with, um, when you think back about the last year and a half and, and not necessarily generally in all of its facets and all of the, um, ways that it's impacted us, we could talk about all of that, but specifically, uh, what it's been like to pastor and to pastor Cornerstone Church of West LA. When you reflect on the last year and a half, how, how do you feel about that experience as you reflect on um, the last 18 months? The first thing that comes to mind for me, uh, t- two F words, I guess, not the ones you're thinking. Whoa. Of. <laughs> <laughs> not releasable. Wow. Wow. Just jumping off the. All right. Two right F words. Fun. Two F words. Yeah. And fellowship. <laughs> right. That's it. That's it. So look at that. Well, fellowship is actually one of them, and fear okay. is the other one. Okay. And okay. it's like, like the, the, it was sort of like the end of fellowship. It's like, mm. how, do we, how do we meet? How do I? I mean, all week long, I work in our office and I come here. But I can't come here anymore. Yeah, and yeah. So there's a certain level of fellowship. But also, I think not just a sense of not knowing what to do, not knowing. We kind of learned about this. And I think as far as we could tell, like the medical community learned about this too as we were going into it, right? Mm-hmm. And so nobody quite knew what to do. And so there was this fear factor. People would call up and say, are we allowed to? Or can I? Or I, people would call up and say, I'm not coming because I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. So I think those two words are the first things I think of when mm. I think about this last year. Mm. Yeah, I think that's good. I think there's there's you know, maybe even primarily a lack of fellowship, right? Exactly. And there's... Um, a great deal of fear. <laughs> and a great deal of fear. I think what's fascinating, sticking with F words, is <laughs> we... everyone. It seems like everyone's experience has been just so variable. Mm. Some people, and this is true for some of our community groups. Yeah. This is true for individual people in the church. This is true for, I think, um, different sort of life stages or um, situations that different people have within the church. And this is probably always true. I mean, maybe maybe it's highlighted in the pandemic. It's always true that everyone's individual life is unique in their own way. Everyone has their own story, their own issues they're going through at different points. But it, it seems like the last year and a half, one of the most fascinating parts to me is everyone's going through the same thing, you know, the pandemic in a broad way, Mm. but so many people's experiences of it are so vastly different, different than my experience, different than other people's experiences. For some people, it was actually, some of our community groups really thrived during this time, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, They had, uh, they had nowhere else to go. They had no one else to connect with, no one at work to connect with. It was like this, they, and they huddled around each other and, held onto each other and encouraged one another and spent time together in different ways and kind of managed through that in their small groups. And that was like wonderful, beautiful, amazing. And other groups just really, really struggled or other individuals really, really Mm. struggled and completely pulled away. Maybe we're on sticking with F words, more of the fringes of the, of the church community. There's um, a way that the pandemic has pushed them even further to the fringe in some ways. And then that made it really hard people slipping through the cracks that, that oftentimes would otherwise get, get considered and, and thought through, um, thought about more. So you have a, a sort of a breakdown of certain elements of that fellowship that I think is really, really significant. And then the fear side, there's a variety on that side as well. Mm. Some people were extremely afraid and, and remained to the, in that state of being today in this moment. And some people, you know, didn't really have much fear at all, didn't really care at all from the very beginning. And so those wide experiences, wide range of experiences mm. 
while all going through the same thing was probably the most disorienting and difficult for, thing for me as a pastor. I don't, every news, every, every time I'm going into an interaction with somebody, I know that they're going through the pandemic like everybody else yeah. is, but what their experience of it is, is so variable. Um, and, and, and it makes it really hard to know. It takes a lot of effort to kind of say, how are you doing? What's going on? How do you feel about everything? Are you, you know, how's your spiritual life? How's your walk with the Lord? Who are you connected to? Or are you not connected to? Um, and so, yeah, that's interesting. I, I think that's really interesting because I, I think similarly have been struck by um, in, in pastoring in the midst of this, the diversity of experience. Like, I don't know if the church we've pastored has ever been more diverse in its daily experiences. I think throughout its history, there's been at least more commonalities of you know, and, and we've always had diversity, but this kind of magnified the diversity mm -hmm. and, and even instituted and created new types of diversity, right? New mm -hmm. directions uh, of, of diversity. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the experience of the church, um, of our church family has been more different from one another, mm. I think, than at any, at any time I can ever remember. I, I think the other thing that stands out to me and, and I think for us as pastors, maybe it's not as clear to the congregation that this is part of it is there are, there have been throughout the pandemic, so many more logistical things for us to deal with as pastors, mm, yeah. more administrative and logistical things, uh, you know, for all of us, I think, I think I speak for all of us, are, we became pastors in light of a calling from God, but also primarily our, our, joy from pastoring comes mm. with spending time with people yeah. <laughs> um, and having that not gone, but um, significantly reduced and interrupted and then pushed through mediums that don't really facilitate mm -hmm. that the kind of relationship, um, I think was probably the hardest thing for me mm. as a pastor, spending time reading local ordinances and how they apply to our mm. uh, church structure and you know what that means for uh, services and all these other things or figuring out how to do a new service or the yeah. logistics of live stream. I mean, there, there's like a logistics of community groups and giving guidance and direction, all, all of the logistical things and administrative duties that fell to us in the midst of this really made it hard to for me to really invest in people the way that I live for as a mm. pastor. And that's probably been the hardest thing because I know that people also are experiencing fear and lack of fellowship and they need that kind of pursuit. So I think those two things fought against each other in a way that made this a really difficult season to pastor in. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because even when, as you say that, it makes me think of the combination of those two, the, the combination of the logistical the the mountain of logistical things we had to figure out combined with the expanded and renew and um and the, the expanded diversity of experiences then every logistical step required uh explanation to a increasingly diverse community mm -hmm. um and oftentimes uh explanation to people who didn't like the 
the logistics or weren't comfortable with the logistics or were bothered by the logistics, oftentimes for diametrically opposed reasons. Sure. <laughs> right. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and and now I say that because I think in one sense it gets a glimpse into um, why the last year has been uniquely difficult. To, to pastor at the same time, the the last year has been uniquely difficult for everybody, and I think in every mm-hmm. uh, in every industry and in every part of our church family, uniquely difficult in the sense of un- unique compared to normal life, yes. not unique as pastors compared to the rest of the world. Exactly, exactly. Um, but and one of the things that strikes me, and um, as we as I thought about this question, and as I've reflected on this question, I mean, I. Over the last year, I, I get this question a lot, and particularly from other pastors, right? About how is it going? How is the church? You know, what's how are you doing? Um, and so I, I have a unique vantage point, both talking to other pastors who are friends and that I'm connected to in, in other places, but particularly my, my brother-in-law pastors a church in a suburban Southern California setting. My brother pastors a church in a rural setting in Colorado, essentially um, a rural setting in Colorado. And so the, the three of us have always had very different pastoral experiences, even though we're like totally on the same team and share uh, the core of our theology, share the core of our and, and share a lot of philosophy of ministry. Um, we've always had very, very different experiences. Um, and that's only been more so the case this year. But as I've talked with them and as I talk with other pastors around, I'm constantly, um, amazed actually at, in the midst of how difficult it's been and some, even some difficult relational and interpersonal things. Um, honestly, how much harder I feel like most pastors I know have had it. Mm. Um, and I attribute that to a, a couple of different things. You know, I, 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 number one, while our church has had this increased diversity, it by and large, it has not let that increased diversity become animosity. Mm. And our world, increased diversity naturally grows into animosity in our world. That's just the way it functions. And I think that there have been um, pressures in the church that have tried to encourage uh, those that have experienced that increased diversity to to turn it into animosity. And I think at, at, at its core, that's the hardest things. When I reflect about the last year, the hardest things are those that have like, are, are the the dynamics where people have given into that, mm. right? Where to to disagree is to assume you are wrong and <clears throat> somehow complicit in some, you know, um, societal evil um, versus like disagreeing and maybe even disagreeing strongly, but like we're still family, mm-hmm. right? And we're yes, going right. to, we're going to work through this together by and large. I think our church's church family's response has been, um, even if I, even if we have to talk about this a lot, even if we have to talk about logistics more, more than normal, uh, this isn't going to graduate into animosity. Now, I, I will say at the same time, I think personally there have been some, um, there have been some situations and some uh, relationships that have broken over the course of all of this, and that's been particularly heartbreaking for our family. Um, 
at the same time, I think I've, I've experienced that a couple of times over the last year and a half, and it's been really difficult. Um, I talked to other pastors who are experiencing that with like half of their church. Yeah. Like not a couple, you know, not two, three times, but like 50 times over. And the miracle of what the Lord has been doing here actually has been to, to me, the incredible blessing of not experiencing that 50 times over <laughs> experiencing maybe it, it, two or three times, which has been, um, anyways, its own yeah, difficulty, but I think that, it's interesting because we, we, one of our core values as a church is we're a multi-blank church, right? Yeah. And so there's an intentional effort to not aim for one life stage or, you know, one ethnic group or one age or one, you know, whatever it's, it's meant to be, we see that as a calling for us, a unique yeah. calling for us as a church to be as broad as our local community around us in some ways um, to try to represent the the fullness of the body of Christ, every tribe, tongue, people, nation, worshiping God in heaven. And so I wonder, you know, I don't know this for sure, but I wonder if part of the efforts of being um, consistently and regularly in a place where we are purposefully multi-blank mm-hmm. in our approach to church community, where we live with differences of experiences and differences of backgrounds and um, uh, relate to one another in that way. And by no means do we do this perfectly. So no. like, if you're listening, no. like you're like, Oh yeah, that's not my experience in Cornerstone. We, we understand it's not perfect. We're not in any way, you know, touting this as like something that we we've nailed or anything like that. At the same time, it's a principle that we've tried to invest in where we want to be a place that is welcoming to the widest range of people as possible um, in the name of Christ and still proclaiming obviously his truth and everything, but as wide as, as uh, the, the universal body of Christ is, we want our local body to represent that. Um, I wonder if that helps in, in mm. that context and, and mm. it helps set the, the stage for a place where people can exist with differences and you don't have to have the same experiences as everybody else. Whereas in other churches, there can be a, a, a focus at different points. I'm not saying this is what your your brother-in-law or, or brother's churches are like, but there can be a focus on everyone kind of agreeing on the same thing or a large percentage of people agreeing on the same foundational experiences of the world. And so if there's anything different from that, it can it can uh, uh, be be problematic. Or this even if speculation. it's not. No, absolutely. And, or even if not engendered in the culture of the church purposely or, or you know, through, right. like just engendered in the culture generally and kind of adopted seeped in and not been uh confronted this this um blatantly yeah and maybe and maybe that's the the pandemic has kind of imposed uh a dividing and and you know we keep saying pandemic but it's also the election and i I mean there's a lot there was a lot going on last year um and so it's it's interesting to to try to be in a place that's purposefully um broad and nuanced in all varieties of categories when you're confronted with a scenario that has such a diverse experience level on it um, that there's been a lot of health and wonderful God-honoring things that have come from a church community. Again, there are certain instances where that has not been the case. And, yeah. um, but so I don't want to like celebrate, you know, and there's been 
problems as well. But you know, Jim, I don't know what what your thoughts are on that. Well, I, 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 the, the, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about the last year that this this political divide, I think, in the country was kind of overlaid with the pandemic, which is uh, they're they're two separate items, but they became the pandemic then and the response to it became an item of the political difference. Yeah. At least that's what. Uh, experience with some people yeah. uh, in the church, and then then there began to be uh, divides that were uh, almost impossible to heal. It was like you couldn't talk through it because the the underlying understanding of how life worked, you know, how we're supposed to be, um, began to uh, harden, and uh, you got to the point where you you couldn't talk about uh, mm-hmm. some of these things. And then people began to it seemed to me to to choose churches that matched their. Uh, political understanding and my 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 great thought of blessing was it it seemed to be a, a fairly small minority of our congregation anyway yeah. that did that uh, the, the majority of people seemed to try to find a way through to talk about it uh, but uh, there were some who didn't and um, uh, it, I think that was heartbreaking mm. what was amazing was that there are people I think who started coming to church who felt very differently and and it, it it allowed us, I think, to get through without too much conflict, mm. uh, kind of on the surface, where people would see it in the in the church, which was was amazing to me. Yeah, you know, I I think those those dynamics are are a part of as I reflect on this the, the last year and a half. Like to me, they are simultaneously the most discouraging and encouraging yes. years of. In the entirety of my ministry, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I I felt more deeply discouraged and more deeply encouraged than at any point in uh, for me the last twenty years of ministry. So I and I don't know if that is yeah. similar. Well, yeah, I think you know I've I've, I've been through where it didn't went the other direction. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was a real nightmare, and uh, that I think for me it was scary. Because I saw this building, but uh, then um, I I assumed this fear to God, or maybe it was our brilliance as pastors. I have no idea, but somehow it began to <laughs> <laughs> it began to uh, abate, and mm-hmm. and we began to to find our way through, mm-hmm. and th- that was lovely. That was mm-hmm. just just you know God's gift. Mm-hmm. And there are other churches that it didn't happen with. I'm very yeah. aware of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think. Um, it makes sense, right? Uh, a major, you know, worldwide crisis there in the midst of that is a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of loss, a lot of suffering. Um, there's the loss of life from a a deadly disease. There's the, the loss of people leaving for, um, maybe political reasons, um, not taking a strong enough stance one way or the other, regardless there's loss and there's hurt. And so it makes it really emotionally taxing and hard. Mm. Um, a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time in long, hard conversations with people. And yet at the same time, God has a tendency to move really profoundly in the midst of those situations. And so the highs and lows can go together in that way where there's extreme highs and extreme lows, um, suffering, pain, hurt, loss in one direction and unity, um, consistency, commitment, um, a, a consistency in Christ and a kind of situation where people don't have much and are holding on to whatever they have 
that is in God. And so there's something beautiful about that. Um, there's something very human about that. There's something that is maybe emblematic in that for us in all seasons of life. You know, it's one of those things that maybe is highlighted uniquely in the pandemic, but I, you know, it kind of reflects a lot of our experience as pastors in general, some incredibly high highs and incredibly low lows, yeah. incredibly difficult, hurt, pain, loss, and suffering, um, and incredible m- movements of God in healing power, grace, goodness, um, salvation, all of those things, we hold them together. I was just mm. thinking about this the other day um, because you know, I was thinking about rejoicing the Lord always and then thinking about in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of all this loss and pain, what is it rejoice in the Lord always? How do you do that in the midst of mm. something so terrible? Mm. And then you, you realize that there's terrible things all the time, right? So yes. anytime you rejoice, you're rejoicing in the midst of pain, suffering, loss. Yeah. Um, and those two, I, I think it's interesting. I think as we grow as Christians, the um, being sober-minded, you know, uh, something we're called to in scripture or being in a place where we are um, uh, steady and fixated on Christ I don't think that our emotions are meant to be stifled. I think as we be, grow as Christians, I think we're meant to feel more deeply in both directions, mm. um, appropriately and in godly ways. But I think that uh, we sometimes think, you know, a godly Christianity, mature Christianity is, you know, a more narrow range of experiences and emotions. But I think as I've grown I think I cry more now than I ever have mm. um, thinking deeply about hurts and pains and loss and suffering and injustice in this world. And I think I celebrate more now mm. as well, thinking about all the work that God has done. And I think the the pandemic is a reflection of that, mm. but also that is emblematic and instructive for us throughout all of life. Um, that anytime we rejoice, we're rejoicing in the midst of pain and loss um, and that there is a, a place for that tension in our lives that is beautiful and profound and Christian fundamentally. Yeah. Uh, that's so helpful. <laughs> this is a helpful reminder of um, not only the reality in which we're living and called to grieve and to rejoice, but also the, know, just the expectation um, and the, the ways in which some of the, the ways we feel more deeply and things even affect us. Um, more deeply is actually a part of the design. I think sometimes we we, we do mis, misapply biblical principles in a way that uh, reads like Christianity ought to be, like ma- ma- maturity in Christianity ought to be stoicism mm-hmm. and unmovability. <laughs> <laughs> Jim just laughs. <laughs> What are people thinking? No. <laughs> because there's like a steadiness to that, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. you're unaffected well, and, by the world. You're holding on to God, and so you're unaffected by the world. And, and I think actually that's one of the things that people gravitated to in the pandemic. They gravitated to, and I think hurt our made made our divisions even bigger. They gravitated to even in the church and churches was the leader who never questioned themselves, right? The leader yes. who like I've got it right. And I'm never going to get it wrong. I haven't gotten it wrong and I'm not going to. And so you can follow me. And there's just like, I just don't think that's actually accurate, obviously, um, or realistic. And I think that there's a way in which learning through this has been um, such a blessing and having a church family 
who both wants to speak into and who wants to feel deeply with us those tensions as well and in which we can walk together um, has been an incredible blessing. I mean, I, um, yeah, it, it, it strikes me. Um, it's struck me multiple times. What an incredible blessing it is to also pastor together. Um, I think that there've been times over the last year where each, each of us have, uh, needed others to hold them up, (laughs) needed others (laughs) to, to, to fill the gaps. Um, and, uh, to, I think, this is also a time and a season. And I, actually this might not be kind of widely known. Um, it's widely known in our circles, but like this is a time and a season where more pastors are leaving the ministry mm-hmm. um, than it ever before in my time. I mean, like I don't, I, every pastor is at the very least considered. Is this what I'm supposed to end? We see more pastors leading, leaving churches, um, stepping out of ministry and, um, to me, one of the incredible graces that the Lord has provided was both his, um, his strength and comfort and goodness and really the, the manifestation of that comfort and goodness through uh, the ability to pastor together mm. um, where that, that weight, that decision, that explanation, the hurt of those relationships was um, – we're able to share it. Burden. And it's not just share it like evenly. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's seasons that like they're, it's they're mostly they're, on Jim. They're, yeah. Exactly. But there, there were moments I think when all of us like, you were like, no, I, I, I can't share it right now. Like I'm just like hurting and confused and unable. Um, and yeah. to be able to, in different moments, uh, carry the weight for one another has been, been an incredible blessing to me. This church has been, I think that the fact that there are more than there's multiple pastoral um, uh, helps with each other. Uh, I've been in touch with so many smaller congregations, smaller churches with one pastor who, what you're talking about, makes a mistake in judgment or something goes wrong or people disagree. And the church, very quickly, people begin to leave. And and uh, it's not the, the, um, the kind of collaborative environment we have here. So, you know, he, he is either extremely discouraged or he becomes set in in d- defending his position, and uh, this just becomes an extremely hard place for a, a church to, to to go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, that we've been able to do this, I think, is really God's grace, uh, both for the congregation and, and for us. Yeah. Well, and you've you've gone through difficult seasons in church situations, Jim, where there have been more rifts. And some of those situations you've gone through more alone. Is that fair to say? Um, not, not alone, like completely, but more like less in a together collaborative environment with other pastoral leaders. Yes. And, and partly that was because there weren't, there weren't uh, more collaborative leaders. They were like, there is like one or two pastors. And so for this, this kind of, um, difficult circumstance it must be a, would you say it's a just a radically different experience going radically through? different experience yes and what i i think is this is a in some ways a model uh, even for a smaller church to be able to, to gather people who are spiritually mature to become a leadership team i think even if there's three of you or something uh i think it w- would make a huge difference uh i've been in touch with two churches in this season that have 
nearly completely failed. Actually, one of them probably has failed. The other is, is beginning to recover. But uh, most of the congregation left. <laughs> so it's been, it's been, you know, a very hard season for, for some, uh, some churches. Um, that it hasn't been for us is truly a miracle. And I'm, I'm, I think part of it is that, that God created this situation that we are where we're, we're a team uh, for perhaps this time. And I think the team dynamic on the leadership side, and I think just to give uh, a proper uh, appreciation where it's due, I think the maturity of our people together with that. Oh, yeah, um, exactly. And God's grace above it all, yeah. like is been, above it's all. made this season uh, manageable in a way that I don't think otherwise would have been. And I can understand the kind of hurt and struggle that other pastors are going through um, because I couldn't imagine a scenario like this or a season like this, a year and a half like this without that. Overall, it's, and it's not, again, and you think you're exactly right. Cause it's not just, it's not just a leadership team. The Lord's developed a, a, an atmosphere of grace, an atmosphere of, of, of patience and mercy mm. that doesn't get applied perfectly. Right. And we've, I mean, I, yeah. I'm, other people have been the, uh, recipients of my lack of grace or my lack of patience. So, you know, it's not like Scott pointed at me. I don't know if you guys saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> the, um, but, but just, just overall, right. The, the, the work of his spirit creating an atmosphere of grace that we continue to come back to, which has been, um, that isn't simply a, a, a leadership thing. The Lord's done an incredible work in that. And, and at the same time, I think it leaves me also recognizing that, I mean, we're, we're doing this reflection in that sense now, just kind of at a moment in time. But I, I know this is also still really, like really, really hard. Like we're, it's not over. We're not just reflecting on it because it's done. And I think that this, for some people in our church, this is the hardest moment they've experienced over the the past year and a half. And I think that there's a real weariness it's because the, the, their experience is compounded by weariness. And I'm coming to grips with the fact that my experience in this moment is compounded by weariness. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and trying to, um, both take that into account to, to manifest self-control. Um, I was talking with my brother-in-law about it just over the weekend and, um, is a very real sense of that that I think we we all both go through and, and are experiencing now that um, that it's been an incredible blessing, but that and and even especially comparatively, but that doesn't mean it's like been easy, and so we don't need to count the cost of what the last um, the, the, of those impacts the last year and a half have had on all of us, and particularly um, on us as pastors. I think one of one of the lessons I'm feeling right now. Uh, this uh, as we record this, this the Delta pan, uh, Delta variant, I guess it's called, is is uh, kind of rising, and we're kind of going back a, a step or two. It feels like, and it, it it there's a sense that it feels like I don't know a Raiders game where somebody adds a fifth quarter, you know, after you've played four <laughs> hard quarters. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like no, I just can't do this again. There's that kind of weariness to it, mm. uh, and I just think what's the next thing that God's going to teach us if we have to de deal with this longer? Mm -hmm. um, and that's an optimistic thought for me. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh no, I got to trudge through even more of this. I thought we were finished. It is like, okay, I can presume that God has not finished, us, finished teaching us something mm -hmm. or is going to add something to it. I think that's a great gift of grace. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And, and it's, to me, it's also, I think, a part of why we also recognize that we need to make sure that we're, we're talking about and recognizing the reality of this in people's experiences, but that we're also like just focusing on discipleship and making disciples and making disciples of one another and making disciples of our communities. And um, it, it's interesting because I think in the first six months of the pandemic, it's almost like that was easier to remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's almost harder to have that um, eternal and kingdom focus now than it was even in the first six months, which I think looking at it from the outside, you might flip those, but mm-hmm. um, because of some of those, the, the temptations uh, to weariness and the temptations to distraction, right? You're like, okay, well, I, I haven't, you know, uh, I haven't lost it because of uh guidelines that I don't agree with yet, Mm -hmm. but this one's too much, (laughs) right? Like, um, I I feel like that camel's back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, the good thing is I talked to someone yesterday, yesterday was Sunday as we record this, but, uh, she had not been to church since like last year. mm -hmm. And, uh, she came in person, in person. She came, uh, for the first time. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we were talking, she said, I just wanted you to know the, the, the live stream, she said, well, you know, it was very difficult to get used to, but it kept me going. It was the thing that kept me connected mm. uh, because I could, I could see uh, the place, uh, I could see the pastors I knew, um, and I got a, a message, um, a, and uh, that's kept me going. And she said, I'm not sure I'm going to come back right away, but... But uh, that's what got me through the, the last year and uh, that I felt like I was able to, you know, come today and feel grateful to be here. Mm. Uh, so I, I think um, live streaming, the things that we have done may have had more effect for some people than we even realized. And maybe we're just trying to keep our heads above water, but maybe for them it was mm. uh, a, a teaching about what, what fellowship uh, is and the value of, of uh, having it when, when you can't. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, as we wrap, last thoughts on, as you think about the season ahead, um, what, are your, what are your hopes for the church in light of the last year? Actually, let, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that. Um, I want to start with you, Jim. What, what are your hopes for the pastors? We, we, we talked about this is going to be a reflection on pastoring in the midst, midst of the pandemic. Um, what are your hopes for the pastors in the season ahead? I have two hopes. I think one one is that we won't we won't uh, pastor with a a hesitancy of what's next. We'll pastor mm. full out mm. as best we can in whatever means we can. Um, uh, the other is that that we like like this woman yesterday. Uh, this is the sense I had. It was is that we will perhaps more deeply appreciate what it means to be in fellowship in a room together uh, as both teachers and learners, uh, worshipers of God, mm. um, and not lose that if we have to continue to do it uh, in uh, some somewhat broken fashion, mm. uh, but th- that, that we'll, we'll hold on to that. I think our optimism means a great deal to the congregation's mm. optimism. Yeah, I, I agree. I think a, a renewed commitment, both on our side as pastors, but also as the church as a whole, mm-hmm. to 
loving one another, being with one another, and a renewed purpose of why we're here to represent Christ well, to share mm-hmm. the message of the gospel to those who don't know him. I think there's a sense of uh, recalibrating uh, that comes from a season like this Yeah, that doesn't automatically happen. <laughs> Honestly, what normally happens is you get into the rhythms that you were into during the pandemic and you just kind of whatever rhythms you're in, you stick with those for us as pastors or for the congregation as a whole. And I think my hope and prayer is a recalibration that says, what am I doing? I think a lot of people are asking that question. What am I, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Mm. Um, And what would God have me do? And I think um, being on uh, uh, in a, in a mindset that sees your life infused with the mission of God, both in the church and in your community and in the world, um, I think is what my hope and prayer is for us as pastors, but also for the church as a whole. Mm. Yeah. In this season or in any season? In any season, yeah. yeah. In this season or in any season. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I appreciate that. Scott? Well, I, I, I just hope that, um, I I guess changing, changing gears just a little bit, I think even just reflecting on this conversation, my hope in this has been that, that people would join us in praising God for his goodness and his kindness to us, um, that he would ask those questions with us. I hope that we hope that in that you, even just in this bits of this conversation, you are reminded and affirmed, um, of how much we love you, of how much this, um, our response in the midst of this has really been, um, our greatest desire has been to manifest that to manifest our love for God and our love and care for you. Um, hopefully also that you see us as um, human and that the blessings of the Lord has, has, has given here aren't because we're worthy of praise, uh, because God is worthy of praise. We, we hope that some of the ways that we've responded are, are worthy of your respect. Um, but I, I'm just, as we reflect on it, um, without the church family, like they're, I'm not a pastor, right? Like I'm not like a pastor, like, you know, somehow theoretically. And then this just happens. A leader without any followers is just taking a walk. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. Like, like I, I, my, my children is what makes me a father, right? The the, the analogy is not perfect, but it's like, and so the, the two go hand in hand. And I think that so many of the blessings, so many of the experiences, so many things that have been hard, but also so many of the things that have been incredible blessings. So much of the culture of what we've benefited from here isn't uh, a leadership culture, but it's the culture. It's the, it's, it's the work that God has done and continues to do in the, in the family here. And so in, in that sense, a reflection on what it's been to pastor is really just, it really is a reflection on what God's done in the midst of our church. And, and in one sense, we don't want to keep, you know, belaboring that point, but in another one, I think it's a uh, helpful and hopefully for those of you listening, encouraging um, snapshot uh, again of the, the beauty and, and, and magnificence of what the Lord has done and what he's doing, what he has in store um, as he takes us deeper, as we ask the questions about what we're doing and continue to stay, take the steps forward in living on mission in our city, on reaching um, the city and seeing people, see, seeing hearts um, transformed by the grace of Christ and seeing our own lives continue to be uh, transformed in, in real and radical ways. So um, 
I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for you guys. Same so. back at you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we love you. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks yes. for being a part of this journey with us. Um, know that we love you. Um, know that we're thankful for you. And we'll see you um, back at normal service times, 9 and 11, next Sunday. Which, what, what, kind, of, what kind of food are we going to have? We're going to have, uh, we had spiritual food. Out. Oh, spiritual, just spiritual food. Spiritual food. <laughs> you eat this food, you never be hungry again. <laughs> have a good week.